Welcome to the Kupinger Coal Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinwart. I'm an analyst and advisor at Kupinger Coal Analysts. My guest today is my fellow analyst and colleague, John Torbert. He's a lead analyst for Kupinger Coal in the US, and he's located in Seattle. Hi, John. Hi, Matthias. Good to be with you today. Great to have you again, and great that you uh, suggested such a great topic to talk about. And we are starting with a with a question that you raised. And the question uh, reads, when is a security product not a security product? And where does that aim at, John? You know, we cover identity and security products across the board. And I think there are lots of interesting and very useful security products that are out there. But if they don't strongly consider their own internal product or service security, then I think that winds up being a pretty distinct weakness. And and the focus here today is on the use of strong or multi-factor authentication uh, to get into those security products. I've seen a number of different uh, security products, be they uh, endpoint protection, endpoint detection and response, or even network detection and response kinds of products that do offer a lot of value for their customers, but have a pretty significant weakness in that they don't necessarily allow for strong authentication of administrators. So I would say, you know, based on what I've seen lately, maybe as many as a third of the products that are out there don't have a good multi-factor authentication or even basic two-factor authentication option. And I see that as a, a fairly significant problem. Yeah, I would completely agree. It's almost uh, incomprehensible that that they provide a solution that actually should heighten the level of security, but actually has this weakness at the front door. So, wh what are these types of tools where this um, multi-factor authentication is missing, and where is it needed then? You know, specifically, I would say for you know as many different kinds of product vendors are moving their products to the cloud, especially management consoles. That's where, you know, we have to have more than username password to get into one of these cloud-based management consoles. So let's say you're operating a an endpoint protection system for your enterprise and you are using the cloud-hosted service. If you can get into that with, you know, an admin and password, Uh, even if you can change the password, that's really not enough. I think it's imperative that uh, security vendors allow for um, multiple forms of multi-factor authentication and be able to design policies around that. You know, this would be a great place to start integrating with some of the IDAS, Identity as a Service, or other IAM kinds of products to be able to uh, be a good front end for uh, these security platforms. Right. And um, when we look at see, these cloud platforms, there's also no real sense in, in integrating that into an overall, say, privileged access management, because for every other person, it is still uh, available online with username and password. Even if you integrate it into a corporate PAM solution, every other person is still able to, to just use the, the weak authentication there. Yeah, you know, I mean, there are various workarounds that are possible. Let's say you take the on-premise version of a management console and you put that on your premises and you, let's say, secure it with some sort of 
web access management uh, product, that's that's a decent workaround. Or if you provide, you know, extensibility to where maybe you could use an LDAP or an Active Directory account to manage it. But yeah, you're right. I mean, we still need things like privileged access management to control which admins can do which kinds of things. So, I mean, I think there are workarounds that people can put into place for on-premise deployments. Uh, but I, I really think that security vendors need to focus on making that easy for their customers. And then especially since many of these vendors are actively pushing their customers to use their SaaS-based consoles, that's where uh, I think immediate development really needs to happen to be able to integrate either accounts from on-premise via, let's say, SAML Federation or or OAuth or something like that, or you know, allow people to set up accounts with uh, IDAS providers and then be able to federate to the uh, security console that way. Just anything to get away from uh, username password because let's just just think about a scenario where you have an unsecured admin console that a bad guy could access and you know through password guessing get in and. It maybe starts selectively weakening or deactivating some uh, security controls. I mean, you can almost envision something like that happening with a major APT campaign or, you know, a cybercrime campaign. Uh, maybe they're trying to capture trade secrets or, you know, lots of PII or payment card data. You know, it may not be uh, something that's so flagrant as to catch the attention of administrators by turning off everything at once, but you know it could be part of an, an overall uh, breach campaign. Uh, so making it harder for things like that to happen by introducing multi-factor authentication, strong authentication, I think are uh, important uh, considerations that uh, security vendors should be thinking about. Yeah, absolutely, because if you think of where would you expect the bad guy to be, it's most probably not within your security solution. So that is really something where you probably need the protection here. You've mentioned the, the acronym APT. Um, maybe that is not known to every of our uh, listeners. Could you just explain that a bit? Uh, sure. Advanced persistent threats. Those are usually either state actors or, you know, corporate espionage uh, agents going after uh, important intellectual property uh, from from organizations around the world. Those are the kinds of campaigns, the things that uh, tools like endpoint detection and response, network detection and response are designed to be able to. Uh, find even if they get missed by other security tools. Right. Thank you. Is the, can you give a, a a percentage of of how many of the solutions that you recently uh, examined um, have have this weakness? Yeah, I would say probably a third uh, don't really have good solutions for um, multi-factor authentication. Uh, a few of those may have some ways of making it happen if you do extensive customization, maybe including coding. But I really think the focus at security vendors needs to be on making it easy for their customers to do MFA to the admin console uh, and then being able to make it required. Really, a username-password combo should not 
be something that would let you into a security product period. So uh, being able to use MFA should be a requirement um, more than just an option. Right. And, and maybe it's also in an ideal world something that lets you log in into more than one platform securely at a time because we are all talking about layered security. So more than one security solution in place at the same time. And if you have to really have an account on each of these systems with varying passwords, that is really, that sounds like the 1990s. <laughs> so that should really be pre prevented. So As we are analysts here and we look at this market, um, we try to help assist our customers in finding the right solution. So what should customers that are looking for these often really, really um, interesting and technically sophisticated solutions, what should they do when they come across this issue? First of all, they should look at it. That is something that I take away from you today. But what is their option then? Well, you know, from a vendor point of view, I would say if you don't have multi-factor authentication, you know, natively within your solution, it should be on the very near-term roadmap. And you can make that a little bit easier by supporting, let's say, SAML for federation so that customers can use existing accounts they have or maybe partner with, again, some of those identities of service providers that That can go much quicker than if you have to go out and build the code up yourself from a vendor perspective. But, you know, at an end-user organization, you know, the customers of these security vendors, I would say, I would be, I, I'm normally skeptical, but be skeptical about products that, that don't cover all the different aspects of security. I would say if you don't have it in your current product, ask your security vendor when they plan to support multi-factor authentication for administrators. If it turns out that they do, then use it and get that turned on and in place as quick as possible. Uh, if not, if they say it's on their near-term roadmap, then, then good, hold out for that. Continue to pressure the vendor if you've uh, got any sway over the roadmap. And then if it really doesn't seem like it resonates with the vendor as a high priority item, I, I would say it might even be time to think about uh, looking at different vendors in those cases. Right. Is this, as you, you are doing lots of briefings with these vendors, is this also feedback that you um, just give them when doing their briefings and they don't have this functionality in place? Yes, definitely. You know, in the recent leadership compasses that I've published and uh, ones that I'm working on now, uh, I do call that out. Uh, in each section who supports multi-factor authentication or who supports federation uh, because I think that that's something that security-minded customers really want to know. Yeah, I fully agree. And I think that um, that when our listeners went, maybe have a look at one of your leadership compasses afterwards, they will find this as, as one item in the list of criteria to look at. So really, that is more or less even a showstopper. Yeah, I do, you know, I would say grade pretty hard on that. So not only do I mention what they have available if MFA is available, but if for some reason it's not, then you know, that definitely negatively affects their security scores uh, in leadership compasses. Right. So if a security solution is not implemented by the principle of security by design, there is, yeah, there, there, there's a mismatch. 
Okay, so thank you very much, John. Um, actually, looking into the leadership compass and trying to identify those solutions, or just asking your vendor whether it is um, the product is capable of implementing MFA, should be the key takeaway for today. Anything else that you would like to add as a summary? Uh, no, that pretty much covers it. I think you know, consider security as a whole. Uh, it's great to have groundbreaking features in a security product, but they also have to cover the basics, uh, things like authentication, access control, least privilege. Just just do a thorough examination of all the different aspects of product or service security when you're selecting a vendor. Right. And for all of those who are listening, um, if you're interested in examining state-of-the-art security technologies and assessing them, um, please feel free to drop by the Kupinger Cole website and have a look at the reports that John, for example, and all our colleagues um, actually provide when it comes to looking at different market segments. Thank you very much, John, for dropping by again. Um, stay safe. And um, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.